Welcome in everybody to the How Not To Be A Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek back for another episode in 2023 talking about how not to be youth pastors. Derek, how you doing? I'm great. I, I had a question for you. I wonder how many listeners we lost after our last episode. <laughs> Like the pickup line? started the year off strong. We did. We did. You sound much healthier, my friend. I do. I feel better. I had a... I had a cold or cold symptoms for, I think, like almost three and a half weeks. It was the worst. Um... It, you know, I had a cough and and just kind of like the scratchiness in the throat yep. that definitely came through on the last few episodes when we were recording, uh, and it just would not go away. No, but uh, I feel good now, and uh, you know the the downside is that through that whole sickness, I only preached once because I missed a week. Yep, because uh, I was sick. Came back and sort of kind of tried to preach, <laughs> uh, but it was a little it was a little subdued. And then uh, we live in Minnesota. And so we got snowed out and then we were already off for Christmas for a week. Yep. And then we got snowed out again. So side note, I had to shovel our sidewalk at church going into church sure. a week ago. Yeah. Um, and it, it got to a spot where I just stopped shoveling because I just couldn't, over a couple of days, I just, I couldn't keep up. So today... Um, yeah, today I went there to go shovel and it was up to my quads and snow <laughs> yep, yep. so much. So, and it was wet that I had a shovel that I bent like, like the mm. shaft of the shovel is now 90 degrees because in one scoop, I tried to get too much snow. And as I was pulling up to get the snow off, it just completely snapped the shovel. You know, they actually make shovels with that ergonomic right, shape. I know. Uh, Derek's just... Uh, it's a it's a homemade one, but uh, I'll have to look at our security camera because it looks like I'm just like the strongest person in the world, there you just go. like bending, a, like bending a the spoon, yeah, magic exactly. trick kind of thing. Yep. I uh, sorry, I watched uh, I watched um, oh, what is that movie? Now you see me. Watched that the other day. Great movie. It is a great movie. Uh, I do think every Minnesotan is is going to or or really you know minnesotan through and through but obviously this there's snow in other parts of the country mm-hmm. there's a lot of midwesterners that are probably gonna identify with with this um it's been insane i had i was snow blowing my driveway and for the and seventh, time, for the seven seventh time yeah uh snow blowing my driveway and and i got done snow blowing it got the shovel out and was like doing the steps and and just the you know those parts and i was just about done doing the steps and the snowplow goes by. No. <laughs> and if you do not live where there's lots of snow, it, it, you almost want to try to not do your driveway until after the snowplow goes by because the snowplow will go by. And when it goes by the entrance of your driveway, it just dumps a bunch of snow there. Uh-huh. So then I had to get the snowplow back out and uh, and go out and do the end of my driveway. You have a long driveway, so that's no small feat to get it all the way back up to the top and then yeah yeah it was uh i i asked i told my wife last night i believe it was it's like why do i live here yeah i want to move somewhere yep, warm for real uh it's it's why do we i don't know why we do this to ourselves although you know people are always quick to remind that uh we do not have giant bugs and giant critters and snakes because and things that can kill you it's too cold in the winter for them to grow they yeah. all freeze and die yeah so uh there's there's wins to it. I won't, I won't pretend that there's not, but, uh, 
Before we get into today's episode, I do want to uh, just remind our listeners, we talked about this uh, maybe one or two other episodes before this, but uh, I am, uh, you know, at the time that this comes out, potentially a week or week and a half away from uh, my our child being born. Come on. Um, and so we are, uh, we are due here at the end of January. Um, and so we aren't, Derek and I are not really sure what uh, the schedule will hold for the podcast. Uh, typically, uh, since its inception, we have been consistent coming out with a new episode every week on Thursdays. We took the summer off. Uh, but we don't know what uh, what the schedule is going to look like. We will be back, uh, you know, once the baby's born. Uh, you know, we will get back into the swing of things at some point. Hopefully, uh, you know, within a, a number of weeks, uh, yep. not months, but uh, you know, at, at some point we will. Uh, we will be back. I just want to make sure our listeners know if there's a week or two that there is no episode. Uh, don't come kill us. Don't come kill us. Yeah, correct. Well, and if you're going to kill someone, you can. it can be me because Kyle's got other things going on. So, but yeah, I'm excited for you, man. You're going to be a, you're going to be a great dad and it'll be fun for you to I feel like for so long, my kids have been, not, how do I say this? There, there, are, there have been things where you say like, well, that's why you don't have kids or something like that. So yep. when, when I'm talking about being tired or whatever, and so I'm kind of excited to relinquishing those in those jokes with you but hey i <laughs> i had to do this here quick too this is not even on our show doc but um something that blessed me um is we got a shout out from one of our listeners um jacob or jake or whoever however he goes by um sent a I message think it's, to uh, us jake i don't need i was gonna come up with you know like jock yeah, yeah well timothy goes to like timothy or yeah, Jacob. J- Jimothy. I think that uh, Michael Scott calls Jim Jimothy yep. at one point, but there's not a whole lot you can do with Jacob. Jacob. Is, is cool. Like it's Jacoby. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, big, big, big friend of the show. Uh, great fan of the show. I'm just murdering this, but uh, <laughs> no, for real. Like it, I, it's so fun to just to have shout outs and to know that um, this idea that Cal and I, where we would just sit down and just horse around, has actually been something that the Lord's been using to to help people. And so just wanted to shout out Jake, just, uh, really appreciate the kind words, man. Um, it just, it, it honestly blessed me and encouraged me. Um, even as we went into recording today, just knowing that, uh, that it's touching someone. So a uh, huge shout out to him. And you know, if there's anyone else that wants to send us really nice, encouraging words, feel free to, <laughs> if uh, you send us mean words, then we won't give you a shout no. out, but no, yeah. Uh, it was, you know, talking to Jacob, uh, Christmas Eve morning, and uh, you know, he he took two years off from from youth ministry and uh, is stepping just stepped into a new position and uh, and was really excited about it. He also mentioned that uh, he was having an absolute blast uh, ruining Christmas for people. Come on! Uh, after listening to our. Derek and Kyle ruined Christmas episode, which was an absolute blast. Yep. I do, uh, I, I should like, I don't know, go back and listen to our episodes every once in a while. Um, to be fair, I actually do, but, oh. <laughs> um, uh, which side note, if you preach on a regular basis, go back and listen. It's so to, uncomfortable it's and so cringe. Incredibly but uncomfortable. I hate helpful. it, but it is helpful. Uh, and so we do, uh, that with, with the podcast from time to time. I have not listened back fully to the Christmas episode, but I don't remember talking in depth about, we, we talked about the wise men, 
Yep. And, and when they may have gotten to Jesus, but I don't think we ever actually talked about how many of them there were. Nope. If I remember correctly. Uh, so editor's note, you know, typically three is the number that are depicted. Uh, we don't actually know how many there were. We just always depict three because they brought three, three gifts. gifts. Yeah. yeah. So uh, next time you're setting up your nativity scene, amongst all of the other changes you'll now be making after listening to that episode, uh, throw like five or six wise men in there just for fun. Or just get like a little cardboard cutout with a big question mark on it. <laughs> Instead of with them like, we don't know how many more yeah, there are. I don't know. So. Like, like five or six cardboard cutout yeah. question marks. 100%. That'd be awesome. All right. Uh, we are talking today about evangelism. This is an episode <laughs> that I'm super excited about. What was that? <laughs> Just a little sound effects, like evangelism is a naughty word or something. Well, season three, we will, uh, of the podcast, we'll see if we can get a soundboard with, uh, with sounds that we can hit a button and just to clarify, when you consider a season three, am I in those future forecast plans? Uh, I, you know, you you did allude to me being replaced today. (laughs) Uh, we have not, uh, had contract discussions uh, with the higher ups here at how not to be a youth pastor yet. So, uh, I'm looking for a raise. We'll see. Just uh, know from when, what? When you, when you, <laughs> well, we we're we can still only go up from here. We're still waiting on on the sponsorships to pay for this hypothetical soundboard that we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have. Uh, anyways, talking about evangelism, uh, and so our quick question of the day, right? It we're talking about evangelism today, and you can't have evangelism without unbelievers, right? And so, Derek, how do you? intentionally build relationships with unbelievers. What kind of a quick question is this? Normally you ask me like, how many cats do I have? Or like, what? <laughs> what's my favorite pastime? This is like a real question. So, I'll go um, first if you well, want. No, no. I don't want you to steal my thunder because I've got some great ideas. Okay. So um, I'm a huge believer in, um, this is, sounds a little elementary, but it, it works. Go to where the people are. You know, like I think honestly... Um, it, it's finding where do you have commonality with people, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and what are you passionate about to kind of bridge that gap between being around people that you wouldn't normally be around being in church. And so, you know, for me, one thing that, that I've done in my community is for us, the school district is the pipeline to everything without our school district, our community really is not a community at all. And so the, the school district is, is critical. And so, you know, for me, it didn't take super long to kind of see, okay, well, I need to get involved in the school. And so uh, my in for that was, you know, I'm, I'm a runner. I love to run. Um, I ran a few years of track. I wish we're I not more. really sure why anybody loves to no, run. It, but. It, it, it's we're, we're our own breed where we don't really make a whole lot of sense. But um, you know, it, it's one of those things running is just a passion of mine. And it's something that I feel like I know more than the average person off the street because it's something I enjoy. And so, uh, you know, for me, the, the solution to this thing is this problem, if you will, is how do I reach more people? How do I build relationships with people that would not normally walk into our church? Well, let's, let's find common ground here. You know, let me, let me, there's an open spot for a track coach as an assistant. Um, and so I jumped in and it it has kind of traversed into this. I've been doing that for about three or four years now to the spot where, I'm the head coach of our middle school program, Um, you know, and I get to meet new students every single year. Um, I get to meet other faculty and staff within the school district. And, 
Um, it's just it's just been such a cool uh, a cool rallying cry of just you know I don't know where everyone's at in their faith, but you know they know who I am, they know what I do, and so um, I think if I could just put a, a little bow on this mini quick question is. Um, it's one of those things I, I want people to know I love Jesus, not because they know I'm a pastor, but just because of the way I interact with them, you know? And so for me, that was my whole thing is I'm not going to, I'm not going to like go in there with the intention of every practice we start with prayer, you know, and anything like that. It's more so just like, I want to be engaged. I want to show these kids, I believe in them. Um, I want to show them that they can do some awesome things that they have purpose to their life. And through all of that, I hope that they see that there's a deeper and stronger connection that I have with the Lord beyond that. And we've seen that. So, um, yeah, finding what you're passionate about and how you can kind of find common ground with others who share that same passion would be my, my answer. I love it. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, very similar, uh, avenue for me is, uh, coaching football. Uh, you know, it's something that I've mentioned in the past, but, uh, I actually, I took this last season off from coaching football, uh, coming out of the summer, uh, I, I recognized in myself that I was burnt out mm-hmm. and, you know, stepping straight into coaching football, especially two days was not going to go well. No. And so I, and so I decided like, Hey, I'm going to take this year off. I I've already talked to the coach, like I'm back in next year and I'm super, super excited about it. Cannot wait. Uh, but like Derek said, you know, it's, it's not for, for those avenues, especially for us, you know, doing this in a public school setting in America, it's not about. I'm going to, you know, pray before every practice mm-hmm. and, you know, all these things. Now, at the same time, uh, you know, the last year that I coached, I had players who, like, if they ask, I'll tell them, yeah. you know, yeah, I'm a youth pastor mm-hmm. and this is what I do. This is what I'm passionate about. And by the end of the season, there was a group of players that, uh, like, we would, like, myself and them would pray before wow. each game. Yep. Uh, and then And then we'd go for it. And so... You know, there was, um, you know, there was like the worlds can cross and, and you yep. love it when they do, mm-hmm. but, uh, stepping out into, into those avenues is, uh, is really, really important. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I have kind of a, I, I call it my clickbait headline for this episode I like it because I want to, I want to dive into evangelism and I and I shared this with one of my youth leaders a couple of days ago, and I I told her the headline, and then I told her that she had to wait to to hear what I meant mm-hmm. for you know the episode, and yep. she didn't like that. Uh, Naturally, but, but uh, this is this is my headline, and it is going to make a lot of people very uneasy. But you have to hear us out on this episode, mm-hmm. uh, and we promise it'll make sense. All right, in a perfect world. I never want to see a student get saved in our services on a Wednesday night. Let me repeat that. In a perfect world, I don't ever want to see a student get saved in our service on a Wednesday night. All right? Now, like I said, stick with me because I love Jesus and I love students Doesn't meeting Jesus. Doesn't sound like it, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, to talk about evangelism here for a second, I think there's some problems with evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, I don't think a lot of people know how to evangelize. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, there's Can a lot you clarify of clarify also, like I'm sure 99% of our people know what evangelism is, but I feel like that's also a good spot as well to be like, what is evangelism? Evangelism quite simply is like you reaching people, you telling people yeah, well, like you're your sharing faith. your faith yeah, right. with someone. Again, uh, pretty sure everyone here knows that, but just for those who might be tuning in randomly. Yeah. yeah. Sharing, sharing the gospel with someone who is an unbeliever Yep, would maybe be a good way to phrase it. Uh, I don't think people, I don't think a lot of people know how to do that. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot of Christians who their definition of evangelism is just, I'm going to invite you to church and let my pastor be the one that evangelizes to you. Yep. And, and, you know, the fact that I invited you, like I can call that evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, sketchy maybe to like, like it's a little bit of a stretch and yep. it's definitely not, uh, it's almost a cop out, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, sure. would you? I don't know. Like, I mean, I think it, it's one of those things. It's a step in the right direction, you know. Sure, I, it's I, not. It's better than doing nothing, right? Yeah, but I think you know, as we're gonna kind of go into this, is if that is is if that's where you stop, then I think there is a part of your part of your calling as a believer in Jesus that's getting you know underdeveloped yep. and, and not being capped into its full potential. And I think you know a huge reason that I've, one of the bigger pushbacks you hear when it comes to this is um, you know people will say, well, I don't I don't know how you know okay, well, what do you mean you don't know how you just need to talk about your faith? Well, you know I don't know I don't know the Bible well enough, or you know I'm I'm still kind of newer to my faith, so you know I don't I don't I don't know what to do, and I, I feel like there's this misconception that. If I'm going to go out and share my faith, if I'm going to go out and evangelize to a non-believer, I need to know all of the answers to all of the questions that they're going to ask me. Because if they don't, then I'm going to be failing. I'm going to be doing the wrong thing. And I think, you know, where Kyle and I sit on this side of the fence is there's a profound power to you saying, I actually don't know that. You know, like as a pastor being in ministry for five and a half years, I sit across from tables of people who are are trying to wrap their head around grief, who are going, if God loves me, why would he take this person away from me for so long? And as much as I know my scripture, as much as I like to know, I have some ideas at the end of the day, I don't know because he's a supernatural being doing supernatural things that I don't understand the full picture to. And so, you know, while I think that they're, they're looking for a specific answer, I think, you know, as a comfort to you, if you're trying to evangelize, when you can look across from someone and say, I don't know the answer to that question, there's kind of a, there's kind of a mutual understanding there that like, I might not know, but at the same time, I could probably find out, you know? Yeah. And you can, I mean, you could even find out in the moment. Right. You know, the, the key to not knowing all the answers is knowing where to look to find them. Sure. You know, if, if you can't, and I think that for some reason, when it comes to Christians and their faith, they like think that it's the 11th commandment is thou shalt not use Google to verify things about the Bible. Uh (laughs) It's a great tool, great resource, use it. And so, you know, if, if you know where to find the answers and, and you're in one of those tough conversations, like, Hey, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question, but let me look into it and yeah. let's meet again next week yeah. and, and we'll continue that part of the discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> people feel like they have to know everything and they certainly don't. I think another problem with modern evangelism is that, uh, there are some people that do it really, really poorly. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, 
image that gets put in people's minds as to what evangelism should be, because that's the one that they see, uh, especially more publicly, uh, you know, like standing on a street corner telling that everyone, everybody that can hear you is going to hell. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine that, like, I know that this probably isn't true, but I can't imagine that this has literally ever been fruitful. No, uh, I, I don't understand how that works. Um, you know, just tell, like, if your version of evangelism is just basically telling people to be a better person or like, Hey, just love God or just drop your bad habits. Like just figure it out Mm -hmm. without actually showing them how to do it and without actually walking them through it at their speed, not the speed you wish they were going, uh, street evangelism. Uh, you know, this is one where, you know, there's no relationship when it comes to street evangelism. There's no relationship with when you're standing on a corner either, just yelling at people. But one of the things that, uh, it didn't shock it, it shouldn't have shocked me because I should have been very comfortable with this statistic, but the most evangelized people group in America is the homeless population. Yep. And you get groups of adults, youth, kids, everybody, like they go to a homeless encampment and they talk to them about Jesus. And it's very difficult for that person to hear about Jesus for the hundredth time when they haven't eaten in three days. Uh, So I have a story that this, this is, this is kind of a hot button for me because I, while I want to honor people's intentions of, of what they believe is right and wrong, the problem with evangelism and doing it poorly is it's not just like you miss an opportunity. It, it, it Sometimes you can entrench in people's minds that they will forever hate God. Um, and, he, and here's why. Uh, you know, when we were, uh, Kyle and I both went to North Central University here in Minnesota. You are smack dab in the middle of downtown Minneapolis, a relatively big city. Um, if you're sitting somewhere in Texas, okay, Minneapolis seems like, you know, a tiny little town. I do think that Minneapolis, the, the Minneapolis metropolitan area is like the 16th biggest. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's I'll, I'll, I'll fact check yeah, it. Thank but. you. Um, but you know, as such, there are a large population of homeless people around here in a big city or downtown, so on and so forth. Well, there was a day we were coming home from church and my wife and I were driving and my wife is very, very spiritually gifted in discernment. And so we had turned a corner where there's always, you know, typically a homeless person there. It's a different person more often than not. But as we turned the corner, there was one homeless man. Um, and on each side of him, there were these two people dressed in some relatively nice clothes, um, black, um, with white collars, um, like the pastoral priestly type collars. And one of them was holding a huge bag of bread. You know, so for at first glance, you didn't think a ton of it. And I literally just kept on driving because, you know, again, not that, not that you don't care, but when you see homeless people all of the time, it's just kind of a standard way of life. And so as we turned down this other street, my wife looked at me and said, we got to go back. Something doesn't feel right. And understandably, I was like, uh, okay, like, are you sure? And we turned around and just kind of watched for a second. And she said, something is just super, super off. And so she's like, we got to go talk to them. And <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, this, this was so out of character for my wife. If you know my wife, she's, she's typically a little more introverted, a little bit more to herself. So this was really, really off the wall for her. But again, uh, when she's on to something discernment wise, she is on it. And so we got out 
and started approaching this this group of of guys, two guys in collars and one homeless man. And we got up there and what we had basically found out was they were trying to evangelize to this homeless man. And if he said yes to Jesus, they were going to give him the bread, but not until nice. Yeah. And so, you know, understandably the dude was just irate. He was like frustrated, like, leave me alone, leave me alone. And the guy's like, we just want to talk to you about this. We want to, and he's like, no, like leave me alone. And they just would not give up. So finally us walking up kind of, uh, agitated them and they ended up walking off. And, you know, we kind of just tried to do a little bit of damage control and say like, Hey, I'm really sorry that happened. You know, we also believe, but like, we think what that, what just happened to you is incredibly wrong. Yeah. And you know, that kind of thing. And, so I don't know where that man is, but it, it's this idea that, you know, we think that because we have certain things and we have wisdom and we, and we have Jesus that we're just untouchable, that we can just go up and treat people like they're objects and projects. And it's just not that way, you know? So it kind yeah. of broke my heart. Yeah. There's a, there's a great, great book by David Platt called Something Needs to Change. And it kind of explores the balance between needing to meet spiritual needs and needing to meet physical needs. Uh, and, and it just, it handles it really well. And, and both are equally, they're, they're not equally important as far as consequences, like spiritual needs are much more important. However, to somebody in that moment, like it's very difficult for them to hear about their spiritual need when they have such an incredible and immediate physical need. And so, uh, I, I do really think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to do it wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, even, you know, it, what comes to mind is, uh, there's a, there's an organization and I don't even know their name. I wouldn't say it if I did, but, uh, their kind of their thing is like, they partner with churches and, you know, they, uh, like they will kind of equip you with all of the materials you need and the goal is, you know, like you're, you're a church in a suburb of Philadelphia. I'm just making this up as I go now, but you know, you get like, you know, a bunch of churches in the similar, in neighboring suburbs in Philadelphia. And like, we're going to get a bunch of volunteers together. We're going to put like the, the, you get these little plastic bags that uh, you can put, like you can put a, a, like a little gospel thing in there, maybe a track, uh, you know, you can put together uh, you know, different materials. And the goal is to hang it on every single doorknob in your zip code, Yep. you know, or in your city or whatever, you know, kind of like, Hey, this is our plan here. And there's this organization that helps to, you know, kind of put all this together. Um, I see the heart Mm -hmm. behind it, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's a, uh, old comedian, uh, who passed away many years ago by the name of Mitch Hedberg. And he used to, <laughs> he had a joke about like flyer people handing out flyers. Yep. He's like, I always hate it when people hold people hand me out flyers. It's like them saying here, you throw this away. <laughs> right. Like it just, that idea, like that's, yeah. that's what comes to my mind when I oh, think yeah. about like, Oh, we're going to go hang, you know, one of these on every single doorknob in our city or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Like, they're going to throw it away instead mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could, I mean, even like, Hey, here's a, th- a list of like 12 churches in the area and, you know, like put one of every denomination on there and they can pick one and whatever. And the, you know, the, the thinking on 
their side is if we do this and we put these on 10,000 doors and one person comes to Christ, it's a win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my response would be that one person is a win. Mm-hmm. If you drove away a hundred others right, and, and further entrenched them against the church because right. someone came and put this on their doorknob, that's an L. Oh yeah. And so, you know, that's where... I, I think that there's, and, and there's more ways that I would probably disagree with various types of evangelism that yeah. we won't all get into. But my point is all of these types of evangelism are very non-personal. Yeah. And I think that is wrong. <laughs> yeah. And before we move on, this is something I've wrestled with too, is because when you do get it wrong, and you have that realization that, man, I just drove somebody away, you really feel, or you you probably should. If you don't, that's a different conversation. But you kind of feel this heaviness of like, oh my gosh, someone might be spending eternity in hell because of something I did. Uh, there's a story in my, on my wife's side of the family where I don't want to go into the, the crazy specifics of it, but basically there was this, this coworker of uh, my wife's uncle who he really felt impressed upon the Lord, my, my wife's uncle, to pray for this guy and to talk to him about Jesus. And he just kept saying, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. To the point where finally he succumbed to what God was saying and, and he said, hey, here's my phone number. I know you're on shift right now, but call me after work and I would love to chat with you. And what ended up happening is it they didn't make it that far. Like in the span of... The, the, him finishing his shift, there was a freak accident. I can't remember if he was like a heart attack or some work-related incident, but um, the reason what ended up happening, I'm sorry, is my wife's uncle got a call about two or three hours later from like a police officer saying, hey, do you know this guy? And uh, her uncle's like, yeah, why? Well, he passed away and his phone number was in your pocket or his your phone number was in his pocket. So we weren't sure what to do or where to go. So we just wanted to try this first. And so he never got to have that conversation with him about his faith in Jesus. And so uh, for a long time, understandably, uh, my wife's uncle just wrestled with that, you know, and felt like, you know, if he's in hell, it's his fault because God continually said, hey, go talk to him, go talk to him, go talk to him. And he kept putting it off. And the the, the moral of the story was, I miss that opportunity. And so from that point on, he said, I'm never, ever going to like deny what the God's telling me to do. I'm just going to step into it no matter how uncomfortable I am. But there also is freedom in the sense of, you know, if, if we think that we are the only shot that someone's got in believing in God, then like how little do we think of God and how big do we think of ourselves? You know, like it's, it's one of those things as we go through with this, like when it comes to evangelism, what I guess I have been approaching is you got to be smart. You got to think through things and not just, you know, for lack of a better word, be, you know, dirty Harry with a revolver when it comes to Jesus. <laughs> like just start just like going everywhere yes. and saying everything. Like you can't just be reckless, but at the same time, just understand that if what you say, even if it's wrong, is a, like a driving factor from somebody else away from their faith, like, Learn from it, but don't beat yourself up about it. You know, like Jesus had plenty of people that blatantly turned against him and and turned their back on him. And he just kept on going and kept on preaching. So yeah, while I am, uh, hold on. Whenever you turn over to your bookshelf, it's always fun. Well, yeah, while I'm on the trend of recommending books, 
Uh, there's another book by a guy named Gary Thomas called When to Walk Away. Yep. Uh, excellent, excellent book. And it dives into, I, I, I'm going to butcher this, but there's like 43 instances throughout the Gospels where either Jesus walks away from somebody without you know converting them or Jesus lets someone walk away from him. Yeah. In the so same good. boat. And it's just, it's so interesting. But anyway, that that's also, if uh, we have any listeners, like that book also dives into like toxic relationships. Interesting. Uh, you know, with like friends or family members. It's so good. Highly recommend. Um, before we move on, I do, you know, feel it necessary to uh, praise myself. Oh boy. Because Minneapolis, St. Paul is indeed the 16th most populous metropolitan Holy area. Buckets, so Mr. Encyclopedia, well done. Pulling that one straight out of my butt, but I got it right. Nice. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways to do evangelism wrong. And, you know, in a way it seems to set up perfectly having all evangelism just done within the church. Yep. Uh, because that way we can streamline it. It can be the same for everybody. You just invite your non-saved friend to church and they will, they will come yep. and, and we will save them yep. and it'll be great. Uh, I've, I've seen statistics, uh, even in youth ministry, especially where, you know, if you invite your friend to church, uh, you know, like four times, you know, at some point they will say yes. Uh, which feels like a flawed statistic because if I'm that unsaved friend, I'm going to say yes at some point just to get out of the way. Yep. Sure. If you've asked me four times to come to church with you, I'm running out of excuses. Like I have homework. My mom said no. My dad said no. My dog died. Uh, <laughs> you saying? Like, my dog said no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have a ride. Uh, although that one, one, you know, usually the friend, if the friend is a good, you know, Christian, they'll offer you a ride. Yeah. Uh, so that one goes out the window. You know, you, you run out of excuses. You're like, okay, fine, fine. I'll come. Yeah. And, and you come once and it's super awkward. And you're gone. And then you're gone. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, this is where kind of that, that sentence I had, that headline I had at the beginning comes from where, you know, I, you know, I think Derek and I are pretty on the same page on this, that students and adults really, like, I don't want to, you know, this is, this is a youth ministry podcast, but this goes for adult. It actually almost applies more to adults. Yeah, I'd agree. But students and adults should ideally be getting saved outside of the church walls. Uh, and there's a lot of different reasons for this. Um, you know, this is, this is, I don't know why I'm leading with this because it's not a reason necessarily, but church services can be really awkward for first time attenders. Yep. You know, if you church, if you've never like church services, when you're a Christian, if you're going to a church for the first, uh, just a different church for the first time, it's awkward. Yep. Like, have you ever, like, I mean, you, I know you and your wife went on vacation and, and got to go to elevation for a Sunday, but that one, that's like a, just a different scope oh, of, yeah. of church. Yep. But when was the last time that you like attended a church that like you didn't attend, if that makes sense? The first thing that comes to my mind is, so when we had our son Ellis, which was four years ago now, um, you know, we were on a medical sabbatical basically at my church. So we actually came to Kyle's church, uh, you know, which was fun. Um, and I I forgot about that. Yeah. I remember that. I had, I mean, we knew you guys and so we knew a lot Mm -hmm. of people here, but it, it is one of those things like you walk in and, and you don't know where things are, you know? And so 
even being having a ministry context and having a pastoral heart, I've been through this before. There's like when you walk in, like it's even things like, where's the bathroom? Where do I go? Um, yeah. Is that coffee free or do I have to pay for it? <laughs> it, it? It's all these different things that are just racing through your head. And that's on a Sunday morning. You know, when it comes to youth ministries, a lot of times there's loud music going on. There's kids running around everywhere. There's a lot going on. So if you're brand new to the church, it's already tough. But if you're brand new to faith and church in general, it's, it's like a whole different world you're stepping into. Yeah. I was going to talk about this later, but this seems like a good time. So uh, first of all, to answer my own question, my wife and I went on vacation to Galveston, Texas nice. uh, and uh beautiful, beautiful place. It's like basically warm. a city that it's own, it's its own Island. And it's just, it very beautiful, very warm. It was, it was a great week. Uh, but Sunday came around and we were like, uh, I don't know, like maybe let's just go to church. Like, let's just find, you know, mm-hmm. pull up Google maps, find a church and go and, you know, it'll be fun. And so it was, it was interesting. Um, they did a really good job, uh, kind of ushering us in and, and, you know, getting us a spot and all of these different things. But, uh, there, so a couple of years ago I did, uh, kind of an, ex- I, maybe an experiment, I don't know, with some youth students where, uh, I sent one of my leaders and four of our youth students to a youth ministry that is about an hour away from us. You yep. know, they, they came to the church, uh, at like five o'clock and they all grabbed dinner in the car on the way out, you know, stopped at Wendy's and then, and then went to this youth ministry and we, we play, I, first of all, I was in communication with the other youth pastor. He knew yep. this was happening, but he was like, not going to tell, you know, his other leaders or anything. Um, my leader went under the like, Hey, I'm a parent and I just want to kind of observe. And all of the kid, the four kids went as like, Hey, we are like, we're just, you know, new this week. Yep. They, and I, we instructed them when they got there to leave the van, like three minutes apart from each other. And like, you're not allowed to talk to each other the whole night unless Mm -hmm. like, you know, if, if student A is talking to a kid, student B is talking to a kid and those two, you know, kids from that youth ministry introduce our students to each other, act like you don't know each other, act like you're meeting for the first time, you know, like kind of a acting gig almost Mm -hmm. like, you know, it was kind of fun for them. But the point was for our students to see, because all four had grown up in church. And so it was them experiencing you know, heading into a church or a youth ministry for the first time, not knowing anybody. Yep. Uh, and actually, I think one of our students ended up like, there's like four kids that played basketball with him like years ago. And so yep. they recognize he got outed immediately. But um, the other three uh, were able to keep their cover intact the whole time. And it was really, really fun for them and, and a, an interesting experience. And so, uh, you know, it was, it was cool for them to see what it was like to be a new student yeah, and, and to walk in, to see everything through those eyes. Yep. Uh, and side note too, if you have a relationship with a youth pastor where you guys can do this with each other, like swap, uh, you know, two or three, four students for yep. a night, and then you can get a report back from those kids. Like, Hey, this is what I saw. Uh, you know, this is, this was a cool thing I saw. This was this one thing kind of made me feel weird, uh, because that's a that's another thing. Like church services can be awkward. Salvation calls. We talked about this. If you go back and listen to episode forty four, uh, you know when we talked about salvation calls and and kind of how we feel that a lot of churches do them wrong. Like that can be really really awkward and yep. very. It can be a pressure cooker. Yep. For salvations. 
uh, you know, it can create a an environment where salvation is an emotional or an incomplete decision. And, you know, in any type of evangelism, like kind of like you were saying with those guys on the, like, we're going to give you this bread if, if you accept Christ. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll accept Christ because I want the bread. Uh-huh. You think that guy means it? No. Right, right. Like that. And what good is that to the kingdom of God if he doesn't mean a single word he's saying when he's repeating after you, you know, this prayer? Same question. If you and your church, we're like just jumping back to our salvation call mm-hmm. episode now. But if you are a sitting in a church service, you don't know Christ. Right. You don't want to accept Christ. And the pastor is like, I'm going to pray this prayer. Everybody repeat after me. Yep. I do not want the neighbor next to me to hear the fact that I'm not saying this prayer. Right. So I'm going to repeat after him, even though I don't mean a word of it. Yep. That does no good right. for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And the problem with that, as I, I always call them drive-by salvations. Um, Ooh, I like that. You know, just because it's one of those things where they, for whatever reason, they might say yes. But here's here's where I think Kyle and I really, really kind of geek out and what we're, uh, episode 44 was birthed from is, you know, something I've been talking with our team is over the last month is, okay, so someone says yes to Jesus. Great. That's not the finish line. No. That's now the starting line. Like they're now in the game. You know, they are they are ready to go after what God's called them to do. So, you know, the where we where I call them drive-bys is when you just do a drive-by salvation, yep, they're saved. Yep, they're saved. Yep, they're saved. All right, let's get out of here. You know, like mm-hmm. rather than, you know, what's next after salvation? You need discipleship. You know, like I, I find so many churches have this model where it's like, okay, we're we're an evangelism type church. We just want to get people in the door. We're gonna tell them about Jesus, and you know that's great. Oh, we're a discipleship church. Like we just we focus on like just going deep. You can't pick. It's got to be both. You know, like you you gotta you can have emphases. That's fine, but like you can't have discipleship without evangelism, and vice versa. You can't evangelize if you don't have deep connections to who God is. And so like the, what I love is in Matthew chapter 28, I've preached this before. He didn't say go and make converts, go and make salvations, yeah. go and get as many hand raises as possible. Yeah. He said, go and make disciples, yeah. go like, and make baby Christians. It, it, it seriously <laughs> is one of those things where it's like, okay, like we, we are missing the mark and he, and here's what, what I fear. And this is just where like, I think God has just kind of been slapping me upside the head is like, what, Sounds painful. what is the purpose of counting salvations? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yep. I, I, I know you need to keep track. I know all of those things, but where I worry is when you go, they're saved, they're saved, they're saved, they're saved, they're saved. Therefore I must be doing a good job. And now it's much less about the kingdom and the development of that person. And all of a sudden now it's much more about your ego. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to put you on the spot. And before I do, I'm going to caveat this question with Derek has been in this position for less than a year. Yep. And so if he doesn't have an answer to this question, it's, I know it's his heart, but you can only change so many things so quickly. Yep. If, do you guys have currently like, and this is a part of one of your conversations right now with your mm-hmm. staff. Like if, if, some, if I come to your church for the first time and I raise my hand in a church service to get saved, like do you, what, what is the next step yeah. for you guys? So that's actually what we've been building. Um, and it's something that, cause before it was like, Hey, uh, you know, cool. You're saved. Well, we'll reach out to you, which right. is, which is great. But some people are like, I don't 
want you to reach out to me. Like I want or to- like we don't have your info to reach out to you. Right. So <laughs> so what we have been doing and this it's it's more so what we're trying to figure out is how do we get people too connected to this. But basically what we did is we built a growth track for this purpose. Um, because for us, growth track, what we had before was not like a good model for this. And so what we have done is, okay, you say yes to Jesus. Now we want to connect with you one-on-one and we want to get you involved in growth track. And what does our growth track look like? Basically it's a crash course on how to go after your faith sequentially. And so it's one of those things where, you know, for me, what that does is, one, it immediately gets stuff in their hands for next steps and gets yeah. them bought in. You know, because like, like you pointed out, sometimes like emotions are a real thing. You walk in and you're going through a really tough time. Your relationships on the on uh, like uh, hit a rough patch, and like worship was just was getting to you, and you felt the presence of God, and you said, "Yes, I want to make things right with God. I want to say yes to God." And you walk back out the door. And, you know, all of a sudden your relationship is mended back because, hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I messed up or you get busy or whatever it is. And all of a sudden now that emotional connection is gone. And so it's not as much of a priority to you um, as well. And so what that does is it immediately gets stuff in their hands to for next steps. Two, it buys them into a community right away. You know, like it, it gets you involved with other people at the church. Um, and just and really, as as we all know, it's, you don't, it's not, you know, all you need to know in a week. It's one of those yeah. things where you, you, you kind of just take baby steps to go with this. And so this is actually, I'm glad you put me on this spot here because this is something our team is actually really, really working on. Um, just because it's, it is one of those things where we live in a town in an area where people don't want you to know they say yes to Jesus. Like this is something I've wrestled with where it's like, well, I feel like our salvations are down yet I know people are still coming and people are responding to God in their own way during the message. And so it's like, I know God's reaching people, but we live in a place where people don't want to raise their hand. They don't want to say, Hey, look at me. I, yes, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Um, and so how do we, how do we accomplish that task of getting them in the fold and getting them to the point where they are comfortable. Right. You know, yeah. like with other people knowing they're a Christian. Right. Exactly. But the reason that I wanted to ask that question is because I like if you if you are tracking your salvation numbers so that you can brag about your salvation numbers, that's a terrible idea. Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrible idea. Mm-hmm. But if you are tracking your salvation numbers so that you can compare them to the number of people that start growth track. Yep. You know, now you're seeing, okay, like, yeah, this is good or man, we're losing a lot of people in this step. Uh, is that a byproduct of what this step naturally is? Or are there ways that we can, you know, throw something in the middle of that or come up with a way to improve that things like that? Like, you know, more in my, I have always ascribed to the opinion that more numbers is never a bad thing as long as you know what to do with them. Well, and your motivation is huge too. I, I, cause that's, right. Cause that, that's my thing is we, we do count salvations. We do count small groups, all that stuff, but what's your heart? I just, I feel like I need to rephrase what I just said because it can be interpreted <laughs> two different ways. What I said was more numbers is always a good thing as long as you know what to do with them. That actually does kind of apply to like getting people in the door and getting them saved. Yep. I intended that sentence to be like collecting data. Yeah, which is how I took it. Yeah, but I I didn't realize until after I said it, like, uh, well, I was like, oh my gosh, like I did not intend for that to apply to ministry. But then I was like, no, that kind of actually still worked. Proud of you. But uh, anyways, uh, I do agree with you though, like, 
it is very easy for people to get lost in churches after salvation. Yep. If, you know, when going back again to episode 48, talking about salvation calls, 44, Der- 44 thank you. Uh, Derek and I talked about how the, the eyes closed, head bowed, hand raised model of salvation call is not a great one. Mm-hmm. And, and it oftentimes leads to, you know, false numbers or like you get the same person that raises their hand 12 weeks in a row to get saved. And then there's no growth, whatever. Uh, oftentimes there's very little growth in a person after a salvation call like that. And churches uh, like this is, this is a nationwide problem that churches struggle to figure out how to take somebody from salvation to, like really getting them plugged in to community. Like that is a, that is a problem for a lot of churches that that I know of. And it's a problem in youth ministry as well. Like, okay, like we can get you in the door and, and get you saved, but a, how do I know that you are saved? Yep. And B, what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. And what's our process for growth as a youth ministry? Uh, you know, that that's a problem in most churches. I would maybe go as far to say. And so for, us and and when it comes to how we do evangelism it can be really really hard to just rely on the big church model to do that and so you know practically you know should all evangelism should a 100% of evangelism happen outside of the church walls maybe but practically there's no shot because you're always going to have that new kid that shows up to your youth ministry uh, like their parents made them go to church. They don't yep. believe in God. Their parents just moved there, made them go to church. And yours was the one that came up on Google with the highest reviews. I don't know. Like it, it happens sometimes yep. and, and it always will. And so I do think that, you know, we need to be mindful of that within our services. Uh, you know, how we structure our services, uh, the words and the languages that we use when we preach. Uh, if I'm going to use a super Christianese phrase, sanctification, blood of the blood, lamb, yep. uh, we should go. I have always thought that. So, okay. Side tangent here. We are, where are we at? 49 minutes, 50 minutes. Oh, we got this. Bring it on. We got 10 minutes. We're so good. we can get through the rest of this in 10 ish minutes. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, so like we, we have like some different, we like connect groups at our church yep. and, uh, you know, in home groups. And then there's also like some classes, like it's, it's less of a, dis- like a lot of them or some of them are more like classroom kind of things. Yep. And I have always thought, I haven't even told my senior pastor this, but I've always thought that I would have an absolute blast teaching one of those classes groups and like do a Christianese 101. Oh, perfect. Where like we look at, here's all of these words that Christians use and, and we use in church, like, you know, sanctification, mm-hmm. blood of the lamb, even salvation or evangelism, mm-hmm. sin, honestly, would be a great yeah. one to put on that list. And let's talk about these and let's like really dive into what they mean uh, so that when I'm singing a worship song and blood of the lamb comes on, you know, yep. <laughs> across the screen, right. I understand what that means. Uh, that's a conversation for another day, but that's fine. Um <laughs> You know, that's, I I do think though that, you know, we need to be aware of like, okay, there's always going to be new students, but we also need to be training our students to share the gospel with their friends because in a perfect world, that is the best place, even Mm -hmm. in our imperfect world, that is the best place for evangelism to happen. And 
it starts with living the gospel 24 seven. And that's not just students. Like I, I, True. I sat across, so we had an elder board meeting, um, in December. Kind Is of that re- where you get together with a bunch of old people uh, or at not, least people that are older than you? Yeah. Which doesn't take a whole lot when you're Fair. 20, when you're a 27 year old lead pastor. <laughs> um, you know, but it's one of those things where we recapped the year and then I also kind of shared my vision for them for the next year. And what I told them is, you know, my, my predecessor evangelism was his thing. He was really good at outreach, organizing events, rallying people together. That's great. Um, he did awesome with that. But I told him, here's my new strategy. And what I believe God's calling me to do for our church now is to get the people inside the walls, those that come to our church regular, regularly, to empower and equip them to take it outside of the four walls. You know, I love looking at how the early church started because Jesus did a lot of miracles. He did a lot of things and a lot of people converted um, in his earthly life here. But it's after he left. It's after Pentecost where the disciples unlocked um, with the Holy Spirit that they just went absolutely ape and the early church grew. Uh, Without them, the early church wouldn't have been the early church. And so what that tells me is the reason why discipleship is so important is because when you get someone excited about their faith and you get them excited about what God's doing in their life, they can't help but share it with everyone else in their circle. Because here's the thing is if we're relying on me to reach your coworker, the odds that I'm going to be able to cross paths and, and reach your coworker is slim to none. But what's much more likely is that coworker who knows you and you've had a lot of deep conversations about randomness, when they see a change in you, when they see you responding to situations differently, when they see you excited about church and they want to know what's up, what a great opportunity. What a great you know option. So it's not, again, my, I'm not saying we're, we're doing no outreaches, but instead of dumping thousands of dollars into a big band and going to the neighborhood park and offering free food and, hey, come listen to me for five seconds. Instead, I'm saying, what can we do to better equip and empower those that attend our church to really go after like the world outside of this, of this church? Uh, okay, this is going to be great. Derek, do you know off the top of your head like your average church attendance on a Sunday morning? Yes. What would you say it is? About 130. Okay. Do you know about how much, this can be a ballpark, general ballpark. Mm -hmm. How much would someone spend on an evangelism event like that where we're bringing a band in and we're doing this event in the park, cooking a meal? I'm footing the bill. How much would that be? Yeah. Ballpark. Five grand, 10 grand. Five grand, 10 grand. Okay. We'll just split it $7,500. Okay. Just for kicks and giggles. Divided by 130 people. Tell you what, I'll pay instead of having this event yeah. and inviting people, I'll pay everybody in my congregation $57 to go and be a good Christian. <laughs> hey. Like that'd be so much more. Effect- oh, yeah. I mean, I'd like still a weird use of your money, but yeah. that would, <laughs> that'd yeah. be so much more effective than this one time band park thing. And well, and to your point, you know, okay, cool. You have that band thing. And someone's like, oh, cool. I'll come check out your church. And they come once and they're gone versus like, okay, when your coworker, when, you know, your fellow peer is breaking down because they're going through a nasty divorce or they just lost somebody and you just comfort them and love them with no ulterior motives and maybe even pray for them. Holy buckets like that. 
you just now put a core memory into that person's head. Well, and it starts... Bef- what what I think people don't realize is that it starts before that yeah, event happens. Hundred you know, percent. It, it starts first and foremost. Like I said, you have to live the gospel twenty four seven. Yep. Are you going to be perfect? No, but that's what forgiveness is for. You still have to be accountable and get back up and keep trying. Yep. Uh, if you're not a Christian, like around your non Christian peers or mm-hmm. friends or coworkers, whatever, that's problem number one. But then you have to intentionally build relationships with non believers in normal times, not just in times of crisis. And this is, you know, for um, a youth ministry perspective, this is one of the dangers of homeschooling or attending private Christian schools. Like I, now I attended a private Christian school you hypocrite. all growing up and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that all of the kids that are at the private Christian school are Christians. Like I know that parents would love to believe that that's true, but in my experience, most of like the worst hidden sin occurred at the private schools, not the public schools. Mm-hmm. Like those, the stuff that was the hardest to work through in reverse was at the private schools, mm-hmm. not the public schools. Right. Uh, but if you, I mean, I will, I will use, uh, you know, a, a couple that we know very well, uh, or my wife and I know very well, it, they just moved into a na- new neighborhood and started building a relationship with one of their neighbors. Uh, they have a couple daughters kind of near the age of, of this couple's daughter. And so like they f- play all the time and are yep. good friends. Parents, dad especially, like wants nothing to do with Christ mm-hmm. or church. Uh, he is, uh, I believe if I remember correctly, like I think there's a lot of alcohol involved, sure. a lot of like just e- verbal abuse involved. Uh, and so the dad of the family that we know uh, you know, he has started to like build a relationship with this guy. Mm-hmm. Like he goes over and watches football with this guy and wow. his friends. Yep. This guy I know has no, he has the least amount of football knowledge in him of just about anybody I know. But at the same time, this is a way for him to build a relationship. Common ground. Uh, I think that WW or like some sort of wrestling MMA, I don't remember what it was exactly, but that was another one that this other dad was really interested in. So he started to get interested in it so that he could build this relationship with this guy. Yep. Uh, his two daughters, uh, like they bring them to church every single Wednesday. Uh, you know, they have the daughters over for meals. Sometimes they bought them sleds for Christmas to go sledding on the hill in their yard. Yep. Like all these different things in order to build a relationship with this guy. Like it is a lot of times a slow process yeah. and that's okay. Now yeah. I do want to say, from a youth ministry perspective, if you're going to teach your students to do this, you also have to teach your students to layer their relationships. And what I mean by that is that not every friend has the same level of influence in your life. Like non-believers do not get to speak into your life the same way that believers do. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's an important thing for all believers, but especially students who that are still kind of in those formative years uh, you got to know kind of how to do that. But then once you've started to build that relationship with this person, one of two things is going to happen. One, like Derek said, like there's going to be something that happens in their life that mm-hmm. might open the door yep. uh, for some deeper conversations, mm-hmm. or you're going to be able to start to pull them into relationship with some of your Christian friends mm-hmm. because they see something different in you and yep. they see something different in how you treat them. 
yep. in how you like, you know, non-Christian student invites Christian student over to their house and Christian student like picks up after themselves and thanks the parents. And, and you're like, wait a second, you treat my parents so much better than I treat my parents. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. Uh, you pulling them into relationship with Jesus basically. And you know, whether it's a group thing or it's just one-on-one and you're just demonstrating God's love to them, uh, that is, that's evangelism. And I don't think a lot of people see that as evangelism. For me, what comes to mind is, you know, we are, we are bearers of the light, right? When, When you say yes to Jesus, you are, you are sharing that light just by living. Um, you know, so for me, you know, you're, you're out camp, you're out camping or you're in a dark room, you turn on a flashlight, anything in that, in that area naturally sees that light, you know? And so for me, it's one of those things where you will naturally shine in the darkness. If you just live your life, you don't have to go to the corner. You don't have to wear a shirt that says, I love Jesus. If you just do the right things, if you just live your life to honor God, you will naturally evangelize to people just by living the life you live. You know, and for me, that's always the thing is, especially in a small town, and that's why I think what you're saying is so so relevant and so wise is because, especially in a small town like I'm in, everybody is watching you, whether you realize it or not. And so it's one of those things where, not that you have to perform, not that you have to to have it all together, but let me tell you one thing. When I walk into a high school gym to go and cheer on some of my students with my two kids in tow, and they see us encouraging them, dapping them up, you know, loving them, cheering them on, people notice that. Yeah. And they notice you cheering them on. And because you're not someone they see, who is this guy? Oh, he's he's the pastor at the church. Oh, cool. That's awesome that he's here. Am I doing it for that purpose? No. I'm here to genuinely cheer on my student, but that's my point is when you do the right things, you're shining light in the darkness, people will naturally take notice of what you're doing. And so for me, it's one of those things, I, I said this earlier in the episode, but this is kind of like my life mission. I want people to know that I love the Lord, not because I have to tell them, but because they see it. They see it in the way I parent. They see it in the way I love my wife. They see it in the way I carry myself. I want them to know there's something deeper about me before I even have to say what it is, you know? And when they do ask, I'm happy to tell them, you know, but it's one of those things where the life you live is a lot more powerful than the message you speak sometimes. Yeah, that's, that's good. It's, it really just comes down to like, Hey, live it out, uh, live it out and go and make disciples, not converts, you know, not converts. Like you have to take this from, we are called to personally, not corporately, but personally take it from evangelism to discipleship all the way through. Amen. Drop that mic. Let's go. Done. Just under an hour and five minutes. Uh, <laughs> 103. Uh, that does it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. On behalf of Derek, uh, I'm going to go get a tattoo in a typical tattoo green that says Jesus saves on my big fat belly and then stand on in the middle of a box and claim that I have a dream. Wow. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>